All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another week of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Monday, June 19th of 2023 here. Looks like we have a seven-game MLB main slate today. And then uh, looking ahead to the week, we have the Travelers Championship for PGA teeing off early Thursday morning. So it should be a fun week of DFS here. For those of you who are new here, welcome. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the coaches over here at SaberSim. This is a show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions. Questions can come in from support. You can reach us at support at sabersim.com. You can reach, uh, you can post questions live in the YouTube chat. You can also post questions in the Office Hours channel in our Discord server. If you're not in our Discord, there is a link in the description below to get joined up. Highly recommend it. As always, a lot of good DFS conversation happening over in the individual sport channels each and every day. Get access to our similar to get access to the rest of the SaberSim team beyond myself here. Uh, but for this show, we do this show Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, get your questions answered but with that being said gonna get the app pulled up here uh looks like we have a few questions to get us going got one question from support one in the youtube chat couple in the office hours channel but if anybody has any questions that are on their mind now is always a good time to get those in here so i'm gonna hit this one from support first question says if you were to play one entry into a large field contest would you still want to treat that lineup as a GPP where you would want to try to be different than everyone else or play it more like a cash game? Okay. So good question here uh, to get us started. So to me, I would always play this as a GPP. And the reason for that is because if you think about the payout structures for these contests, usually top 20 ish percent of the field is getting paid. Right. But that top 20th, like that 20th percentile to 15th percentile ish they're usually only making about two extra entry fee right so you take this um outcome that happens one out of five times right 20 percent is a one in five uh chance of happening right or one one out of five if you just do 20 divided by 100 right so the outcome that is going to happen uh one fifth of the time you're only getting two extra money right so uh, optimizing for min caching basically is like kind of the way I read this question, right? Playing like a cashy type of lineup where you're just trying to get into the money. I think that's like always a bad thing to do when playing GPPs. The, the way that you make money playing DFS and GPPs is having these, you know, top 0.01% outcomes, these top 0.1% outcomes. And, um, that is going to pay for all your entry fees, you know, for, for a month, sometimes for a season, right? All of your profit and all of your uh, earnings back from your entry fees are going to come from that one time, right? So in back testing that we did when figuring out our DFS profit plan, uh, Eric determined that a, a player who has a high expectation of winning like two times greater than the uh, average player still only profits six to eight days in a calendar month if they're playing each and every day right so we did this during mlb season last year uh and and you know if you're only cashing six to eight times in a month that means you're losing you know 20 
two to 23 days in a calendar month. So don't get discouraged when you guys are losing. But I think that if you're playing GPPs, you always want to be optimizing for like the highest upside lineups, lineups that can win your contest. Uh, that is why, you know, our Sabre scores are built the way they are. Uh, so if you if you were to look at the Sabre score formula, it is a um, three variables, some projection, 99th percentile, and average adjusted ownership. So uh, the some projection is usually weighted the lowest. The 99th percentile is usually weighted the highest. And then the average adjusted ownership is a negative weight saying, hey, we want to play lineups where the ownership of this lineup as a whole is fairly low, right? So that way uh, we could be different from the field when our players are scoring points. The field lineups uh, are we're being differentiated, right? And we could see that formula here now. Some projection weight of 0.3, 99th percentile weight of 0.7, and then a negative 0.6 weight on average adjusted ownership. So that just kind of tells you how important upside and how important uh, being different from the field are in winning GPPs, right? We run uh, contest simulations and back testing to come up with these Sabre scores to figure out, you know, on average uh, what what variables at what weights lead to the highest uh, ROI of these lineups. So that is how the Sabre scores come to fruition here, but really good question to get us started today. All right, jumping over to the office hours channel and discord. Uh, first question that came in question says for the early slate, two gamers, should I be running more head to heads since I'm usually just a cash game guy? So, so if cash is your game, uh, it's really going to come down to how much bankroll you have available, right? So if if you are running out of these uh, double ups and you know possibly even like triple ups to play, uh, you have bankroll left over. Then then yes, I would move that to head to heads. I would just you know figure out what how much money you have on the slate, what contests are available. Uh, if if you don't like to play head to heads, if you'd rather play like double ups, triple ups stuff like that, uh, maybe look at, you know, other slates here, right? So take your bankroll for the day and then figure out, okay, you know, if I just play all the double ups and, and triple ups on the two gamer, you know, how much can I get down on the main slate? How much can I get down on the night slate? Does that in total equal the amount of money that I wanted to play, right? So um, I think this goes for any, uh, any person, not just like a cash game person, but if you are mostly just playing the main slate on a day-to-day -day basis, let's say you get to a point where you are playing all of the best contests on the main slate, uh, all the contests under $3 that we tell you guys to play because the Sharks can't play those. And then you're like, hey, you know, I still have uh, some money that, that I want to get down that's within my 2.5 to 5% of my bankroll threshold. I, I still haven't met that, right? Uh, should I go up in stakes? I, I would say no, right? What I would say is, branch outward, right? Don't go up and down the contest lobby, right? Uh, stay under $3 and then go go check out the night slate. Go check out the turbo slate. If if you run out of uh, contest to play there, go check another site. Go go check FanDuel, right? Uh, go play on owner's box. Go go check out Yahoo, right? Do, do everything you can possibly do to get as much money down in the softest contest as possible before moving up to those flagship contests, right? And I think that, you know, you could start to mix in some satellites. Uh, you know, you don't have to just play the GPPs, right? So satellites are a way to get access to these higher dollar contests at a discounted rate, right? So maybe, um, I know FanDuel runs like a lot of, they'll run like a, they'll run like a big flagship every once in a while and, and they'll, uh, 
do satellite tickets for that contest for a like a month or two ahead of time. So maybe the flagship is, you know, $9.150 max. Maybe you're just racking up satellite tickets and then you, let's say you, you win enough tickets to max it out. Well, maybe at the end of the day, you only paid $6 per uh, entry fee as opposed to $9. And now you're getting a one third discount on that entry fee. Right. And then you're still getting to play the flagship from time to time here. So I think that mixing in satellites is another great way, but I did the math on this for NBA, uh, NBA season a couple months back, and I could easily get down like about $1,500 on an individual night just by playing all the showdowns, all the classic slates across all sites, uh, in the softest contests as possible here. And that was actually before we introduced owner's box here. So with owner's box, you can probably get another like couple, probably like $200 down there. Uh, so I think the opportunities to play the softest contests are out there. You just have to be willing to kind of seek them out here, but really good question. All right. Uh, question from 12 pack abs here. Question says, just curious, golf showdown defaults to 08 instead of 010. Is there a reason to avoid 010 builds? Uh, this is a really good question. Let's go back to the US Open. Uh, was a fun tournament here. I was very, very sad that Mito did not make the cut. He bogeyed on 18 and ruined my week, right? I was like in top 10 of the $25 milli, and he did not make the cut and it basically sunk me. So was was very sad there but uh but but getting back to to the question here uh the reason that the defaults are not 010 for golf is is because the that the fields are are usually so big right so it depends on what you're playing i think like in the largest field we're going to be at 10 but let's say that you're playing 150 max even 10 to 50k which is like a fairly uh regularly sized contest here sim diversity comes down to 9 so it it really comes down to are you going to need an optimal lineup to win this contest? And the answer is often no for golf, just because these tournaments start out with 150 golfers, right? So the player pool is actually very large. If you compare that to something like MMA, even a 14 fight card, that's only 28 fighters. NASCAR uh, usually only has 40 drivers, right? So uh, maybe, maybe tennis is like another close one here, right? They might only have... 15 matches on the slate. So that's 30 um, tennis players here. So having 150 golfers in the field to start makes the player pool so big, increases the amount of lineups and combinations that players can come up with here that the, the optimal lineup is usually not achieved. And let's say it is achieved. It, it, it usually won't be duplicated uh, very highly at all here, right? So uh, you might see dupes under under 10, I, I, I don't really ever see anything beyond that here. But one thing that I, that I, uh, that I like to talk about here is that, um, you know, just, just use the SIM diversity slider as like a guide to kind of give you information about the sport. So what Saber Sim is saying, like, Hey, in, in my 20 max, 10 to 50 K SIM diversity is at eight. That's kind of telling me here that, Hey, I'm probably not going to need an optimal lineup to win. What Sim Diversity 8 is doing is simulating the tournament uh, multiple times here and then using the average score that those players score over uh, a set of tournaments, right? Maybe it's like 10 tournaments or something like that. So we're going to simulate the tournament 10 times. We're going to see how the players scored across those 10 uh, simulations of the tournament. Use that projection to build your lineups, and then we're going to do that for each and every lineup here. So uh, that that's really what it comes down to 
two for me here. I think that in an NFL showdown and NBA showdown and all these contests where the player pool is really small, you're going to need an optimal, but golf, you're not going to need it. So the builder is okay using nine sim diversity, eight sim diversity, et cetera here. So that is why you see the differences with the sim diversity setting, but very good question. Okay. Uh, next question here, data for girls. Question says, how can I pair chalk stacks with low owned stacks and slash or low owned pitchers here? Okay. And it looks like Marvelous jumped in. I, I haven't read this, but I'm just going to read this out loud. It said, you first need to see who the chalky stack and the low owned stacks are in your research. Then you can go back to the homepage and select stacks and stack those teams. Okay. So a couple of different options here. Uh, let's jump back to MLB and, and let's talk about this a little bit, right? So, Usually the way that I like to figure out who are the chalk stacks is if you go to the team stacks page in MLB, uh, you can sort by projected runs here. So I'm just going to go back to the main slate for today. And just waiting for this to load. Usually runs a little slow when I'm streaming. So just a lot of stuff going on. Okay, so if you go to team stacks, we have this projected runs column. You can sort descending here. This will just tell you uh, who the highest implied uh, run total teams are here. I'll usually just look at all the teams above five runs here. So I'm just going to write down uh, Cincinnati, Texas, and the Cubs here. And then I'm going to go and look at the ownerships for these teams here. So I'm going to go to Cincinnati. Uh, okay, Cincinnati's here. And Builders run, page is running a little slow. I'm going to do a Control-Shift-R here. Uh, if you guys are ever having issues with the app, doing a hard reset, Control-Shift-R if you guys are on Windows or Command-Shift-R if you guys are on Mac. Uh, just, just clears the cache, gives the builder, uh, give, gives the Saverson app a good once over here and can possibly run a little smoother for you after the fact here. So just a side note there, it looks like everything is running as intended now. Uh, I am going to just... I like to set this filter just to get rid of some clutter here, get rid of some of these players that probably are not ever going to make it into my lineup anyways here. Or, you know, one, I can see only the projected hitters, right? If this is off. You get all these players that are not in the lineup. So just kind of get rid of them so they're not in my way. And then I'm going to sort by order here. So usually what I'm doing to kind of get an estimate of how chalky I think a team is going to be is looking at like their one through six hitters here and then seeing kind of what like the average ownership is or what a, what a decent ownership is here, right? So it's just an estimate. It's trying to be like directionally accurate here, but seeing how as how the lowest owned hitter for Cincinnati is 13% owned in hitters one through six, I'm, I'm okay saying that Cincinnati sacks are going to be 15 to 20% owned here. So I'm going to do like, I'm just going to make some notes, 15 to 20 for Cincinnati. I'm going to go to Texas. Uh, these these settings will stay if you go team by team here, so you don't have to reset it every time here. I think that's great. Uh, probably similar here. You know, even their seven hitters getting like 21% ownership here. Even their eight, nine hitters are getting decent ownership here. So I'd say 15 to 20 for Texas too. And then if I go over to the Cubs, uh, Cubs maybe like a little lower, maybe like around 10%-ish here. Uh, probably like third coming in third here, which makes sense. Cincinnati's 5.3, Texas 5.3, and then Chicago is a 5.1 implied runs here. So I'd put uh, Chicago closer to like 10%, you know, maybe you could say like 10 to 15 if you if you wanted to here, but not trying to be too precise. Just trying to give myself like a uh, reference point here. 
when when diving in further here. So so now I understand, you know, who are the chalky teams, right? Kind of getting back to Marvelous's question or or uh, follow up on on the question here. Just want to show you guys, you know, how you can kind of figure out who's going to be chalk, who's who's not, right? But before figuring out, you know, before being very very uh deliberate about who I want to stack. I think it's probably worth coming into the post build here and seeing what these look like by themselves, right? So I want to go and look at, okay, what do my Cincinnati stacks look like? And I'm I'm just looking at the top 20 lineups. So these six lineups that I'm looking at are coming from my uh, top 20 here. So this is actually a Cincinnati two stack. We're taking a stand. We're like, hey, we think that, you know, only a couple guys here are going to be good. And then you can see that we have this two stack with a, with a uh, Rockies five stack on the other end of this game. A lot of low ownership there. Uh, another Cincinnati two stack. Here's a big Cincinnati five stack. Uh, you're getting to uh, a two stack of the Pirates where one of those batters is 2.5%. You get into a 5% one off here, uh, even with chalky pitchers, right? Both of these pitchers over 29% owned. Uh, let's go and look at another example. This actually uh, Reds and Cubs, which we talked about here, but you know what? 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 What stands out to me here is that we have a six percent owned Cubs uh, outfielder, seven percent owned Cubs second baseman, eight percent owned Cubs third baseman here. Even with all these other chalky pieces, right? But but basically, I guess I guess the point that I'm I'm really trying to make here is that you know you don't have to be so different from the field in order to win these contests. You just need to be different enough, right? It really comes down to are you different in enough spots? Uh, one, where this lineup will not be duplicated, and then two, where uh, this this unique combination of players will help you win your contest, right? And I think that one thing that probably goes under the radar here is uh, the, the type of stacks that Saber Sim is going to give you, right? So this five stack of the Reds uh, with the Pirates uh, two stack here, it's a one, two, six, seven, eight, five stack, right? So we are, we are not using lineup, uh, lineup, uh, players in the lineup three, four, five, right? I think a lot of times when people are using these five stacks, they're using a lot of batters from one through six, maybe sprinkling in, you know, one batter from seven, eight, nine, maybe even like a wraparound. They're doing like a nine, one, two, three, four, or something like that, right? Uh, but with Saber Sim, you know, through our understanding of upside correlation, through our uh, game simulations, we're able to get to these stack constructions that in and of themselves, you could play chalky teams, but in a, in a, in a way that is different from the field, right? It really comes down to stack construction, lineup construction here. And, and just that in and of itself can be enough for you to play the chalky team, but still be different from the field and win your contests here. Right. So, uh, just just be careful you know people come in the show like hey how do i find you know the lowest owned lineup that can win a contest and and my answer to that is you know you don't need the lowest owned contest you just need a contest a lineup you don't need the lowest owned lineup to win your contest you just need a lineup that is different enough from the field that can uh elevate you and differentiate you from those other lineups in the top 1% of your contest, right? So, so goal one is, you know, get in the top 1% where those uh, payouts start to increase. And then, you know, from the 1%, there's a concept Jordan talked about in some videos in the past is how do you differentiate yourself from the other lineups in the top 1%, right? So kind of a, kind of a two-part thing to, to win your contest, right? To get all the way to the top there. And then one other thing that if, if, you know, if the lineup set that you're getting, isn't um 
isn't what's the word I'm looking for is if you deem this too chalky still, if you say, you know what, um, I, I hear you, but I still want to be more different. One thing that you could do is mess around with increasing uh, or changing your Sabre score here. So if you look at the average adjusted ownership, negative weight for this MLB large slate, 10K to 50K entrance, it's negative 0.6. And then if we go and look at the negative adjusted ownership weight for this MLB large slate, 50K plus entries, uh, it actually goes up, right? And it's going to go up each and every time. So if we if we go to the smallest large slate, it's going to be negative 0.4 weight on average adjusted ownership. And then like we just saw at the 50K plus entries, it's going to be negative 0.7. So as the size of your contest increases, SaberSim is saying that you're going to need a bigger weight on average adjusted ownership to be more different from the, from the field here, right? But um, so, so if this isn't, if this is too choggy for you, maybe change your saber score and then see what these other lineups look like. Right. So we, we had six, we had, uh, six lineups for 30% Cincinnati in our top 20 lineups at the 10 to 50 K saber score at the 50 K plus saber score. We actually cut our Cincinnati stacks in half here down to 15%. And then it looks like we got a big boost to, uh, Pittsburgh here. And then it looks like uh, of our, you know, three highest implied run total teams, Chicago is actually showing up the most now, followed by Texas, followed by Cincinnati. So a little bit reverse there, right? It's like, hey, let's play the third highest owned, and then uh, let's play these highest owned guys, uh, highest owned teams at a little bit of a lower frequency here, right? But if if you don't want to do any of that, if you want to be more deliberate and say, I know what teams I want to play, I know who I want to work in together, what you could do go to the home screen, go to team stacks here, and then you can control which teams get stacked together. So maybe you want to play Chicago and um, some low-owned team together in the team stacks tab. You can just click this drop-down arrow. It'll show you all of the possible team combinations here. And then you can just increase the, the uh, stack percentage for that team. Just know that this is going to be a pool percentage here. Right, so if you do twenty percent, that means twenty percent of the lineups in your pool as a whole will uh, be, you know, Chicago plus Colorado or Chicago plus whatever team that you want. So I would, I would do these like pretty low here because maybe you're only playing twenty lineups. Right, you don't need one hundred of your five hundred lineups to be Chicago plus Colorado stacks. So I think even small percentages here, you know, maybe like ten percent. Is, is more than enough. You're going to have 50 lineups to choose from. And then I'm pretty sure you're not going to want to play all of those stacks together, right? So maybe you do, you know, maybe you do 5% and that gives you 25 lineups. You play, you know, maybe five of those for 25% of your 20 lineups here. Uh, so don't be super aggressive with these team combinations here. I would just say, you know, nudge the builder and give yourself some options. But beyond that, uh, what I think you can do to mix in your pitchers is you can do a group rule. And what you could say is uh, group rule type group selection method manual. And then you're going to say, if at least blank, then use at least blank. So what you're going to say is if I'm using at least, uh, let's say three players from Cincinnati here, we're going to use, you know, any three Cincinnati batters. You could say then use at least one, and then you could do like uh, your your low owned pitchers that you talked about, right? And maybe you come to pitchers, maybe you sort by ownership, and then you, you have some pitchers in mind that you want to play. Uh, we'll use like 
Michael Walker, Andrew Heaney. Uh, then, so what this is going to say is like, hey, if I'm using at least a three stack of Cincinnati, I want to use at least one of these two pitchers that I have selected. So this is a way to be very, very particular. Um, I think that if then rules work better than the use rules. So if you if you do use rather than if then, this is going to make sure that 100% of the time this happens, right? But if you use if then, this is going to be when the builder determines that Cincinnati is a good stack, then it's going to need to make this adjustment to the lineup. So you're not getting like the full sim output, right? Maybe the sim wanted to use a different pitcher, but you're saying, hey, I want to use this pitcher instead. Uh, I think that if then rules are a little less restrictive on the builder. So I'm okay with this in general. But if if you wanted to be that particular, I would use uh, rules like this and you could use as many as you want for as many teams as you want, right? Maybe you use this one for Cincinnati. You go and do one for Texas. You go and do one for Chicago. And then you just do the rule for those teams over five implied runs here. All right. Uh, really good question there. That gets us through both support and the Office Hours channel in Discord. See quite a few people tuning into the show. Hello, everybody. Happy Monday. Uh, we are jumping over to the YouTube chat now. Looks like we have two questions at the moment. If anybody has anything on their mind, question that has been in their mind that they just haven't asked yet, now is a great time to get that question in. Chances are somebody else has that question as well here. But first question from FV. Uh, when having to use the quick swap feature because players end up being ruled out post-build, is it best to use the same team feature or best available when there are multiple lineups impacted? Is there a way to decide lineup by lineup or does it have to be the same across the board? I feel that the decision on each is based on stack type. For example, a 5-3 would need to be same team. A 5-2-1, you could use best available if the one player is who is out, but could turn into a 431 which may not be your desired stack build okay so gonna gonna start from the top down here uh question was is it best to use the same team feature or best available when there are multiple lineups impacted uh so really good question here i think that for mlb specifically i'm a huge fan of uh best from same team just for reasons that you alluded to here right uh you can maintain those uh stack types here right so if you have a uh five two one right and then you use best from the same team because somebody in your five stack is out you are maintaining that five stack right so basically the reason that i say best from the same team is better is because although you might be getting uh more fantasy points more more average fantasy points in your lineups by using best available, which is what best available does. It sees how much salary you have left, figures out who is the best player that can fit into that spot under that salary restriction and give you the most uh, average fantasy points here. Best from same team maintains all your correlations, right? So baseball is heavy correlation sport, right? You want to maintain those uh, player to player correlations within a team best from same team allows you to do that. So one, you get the fantasy points, but two, you get those, uh, that stacking component and get to maintain that at a high level here. So I'm a big fan of best from same team. And then second part was there is, a, is there a way to decide lineup by lineup or does it have to be the same across the board? So there, there's not a way to do lineup by lineup adjustments here. Um, that is possibly something that we could build in the future here, but, Right now, quick swap is intended to be uh, something that is 
fast, something that allows you to make these swaps and get your lineups in really quickly here. I think that if you want to have a more hands-on approach about the lineups that you're seeing, uh, what I would do is I would use the late swap feature, but what I would do instead, so if you come into your build settings, once the slate starts, late swap is going to be activated automatically here. In your CSV, uh, when, you, when you get to this contest part, you can turn on this only swap lineups containing out players. So let's say that you turn this on. Let's say that you have, you know, 150 lineups, but seven of those lineups only have out players. So you don't want to mess with the other 143 lineups, right? You only want to mess with the seven. Turning on this feature, if you go back to settings, it will recognize how many lineups have out players and then only swap those, right? So I think that this is actually a great way to have a further hands-on approach to the lineups that you're swapping. And then, um, you know, separate those from the rest of your set that you could figure out, you know, what are the new stack types? Uh, what do these lineups look like? Do they look like what I want them to look like, et cetera, here. So I think that a quick swap is not getting the job done for you. Using the late swap, uh, swap only lineups containing out players feature, toggling this on is your second best option here. So I would mess around with that and then see if that can help you out. All right, uh, next question from Neil. It's our last question at the moment, everybody. Neil said, can you show me how to use post-build? I feel like I'm doing too much uh, when building lineups here. Okay, yeah, we can totally talk about that. Uh, just just one thing that I did want to point out over on the YouTube channel here. Uh, if you go to playlists and if you go to how to beat MLB DFS in 2023, one of our uh, more recent videos here released in the last month is called Watch a Saber Sim Coach build winning MLB DFS lineups. This is a video where Jordan walks through his MLB process from start to finish here. He basically narrates the entire time, talks about um, all the different pieces of his, uh, of his process. I was actually blocking the video here with the comment. So I just turned that off, but this watch a Saber Sim coach build, build winning uh, MLB DFS lineups, I think is a really good place to start. If you think you're doing too much, if you don't know what to do in the post build, uh, just simply watching somebody else do it here, which is, which is what, you know, why you asked the question, why you want to watch me do it. But I think that Jordan does a really good job of explaining it here in this video. So if you're, if you want to see, you know, somebody else besides me do it after this segment here, uh, I think that watching Jordan do it as well is, is a great option here. So I'm going to jump into the post build here and really I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to do too much, right? When I, when I come into the post build or, or when I want to decide, you know, who to make a stand on, etc. I I like to keep my personal adjustments to the builder somewhere between, I, I I'd say anywhere from like one to five adjustments, right? I don't want to do uh, too much ever here. I might have a take on the slate. I might want to do some things, but I never really want to have more than five things to do here. Uh, that's, that's like specifically related to like teams and pitchers and, and, and exposures and stuff like that. Right. But first thing that I always like to do, come in here, adjust my mini uniques. This is going to increase my player pool. So at one mini unique, you can see that my player pool is 60 players. At five min uniques, my player pool is 83 players. So what this is going to do is it is going to make sure that there are a certain amount of players different from every other lineup in your set here, right? So we have 20 lineups at min uniques five. What the builder is telling me is that, hey, all 20 lineups that you're seeing have at least five players that are different from every other lineup. That is why we 
skip lineups here. That is why we're our bottom lineup is not number 20. It is number 36. So the way that Saberson works by building you a big pool of lineups, this allows us to sift through this pool and find the lineups that we want to play rather than just giving you 20 lineups saying, Hey, these are, these are your 20 lineups. And then this is what you got. Uh, no, no further really adjustments from this point, right? So with Sabersim, a lot of the work that you do comes into play in the post build. This is to uh, let the builder do what the builder does best, building your lineups, looking through the sims, figuring out the best combinations for you to play, and then building your lineups from there, right? So we let the builder work, and then we come in here and do any risk management, fine-tune adjustments from there. So I'm somebody who likes to set my mini uniques to about half, uh, one thing that Jordan likes to talk about a lot is that he will basically max out his min uniques and then do one less than the max. Uh, so right now the max would be seven here because that eight, you can see that the lineups, uh, the number in parentheses is the number available. So there's only 16 lineups that have eight players different and we, we need 20 lineups, right? So if we go down to seven, we can now get to our 20 here. And then he would do one less than that. So he would do six in this case. Um, I've seen slates where, you know, it, it's probably due to the slate size here, only seven games. When we have these big slates, these 14 game slates, you can get to mini uniques eight, you can get to mini uniques nine. So, so this number changes, right? Uh, but as a default, I like to go to five. Um, one thing I like to do personally here is uh, look at my, look at my stack types first. So getting to a lot of big stacks here, let's say that I don't want to play less than a four stack. Uh, so I'll just turn my three, three stack to zero here. That was showing up on my top 20 builder. will make an adjustment. going to go over to team stacks here. Excuse me. Sorry. I had to cough. Uh, so I'm on my team stacks tab now. So I'm looking at all of the teams that I'm um, playing here. Let's say that I don't want to play anybody uh, more than 35% of a team stack, right? So I'm going to turn Colorado down to 35, going to turn Pittsburgh down to 35. These aren't stands. These are just generalities where I'm I'm saying that I want to be uh, more spread out, right? Mini Neeks can do that for you as well here, but I'm just showing you some options for risk management. I, none of these uh, things that I'm doing so far are to take a specific stand in one direction or another. I'm simply doing risk management. And then uh, from that point, maybe maybe I'm okay playing a team at 35% here, but maybe I don't want any individual batter in that stack at 35%. So I, I don't actually know if Diaz or McMahone, you know, are used in all 35% of those Colorado lineups, but let's just assume they are. Uh, you know, what I'm trying to tell the builder is, hey, you know, figure out a different way to stack Colorado at 35%. So what I'm saying is you can, I'm telling the builder, hey, you can have Colorado in 35% of my lineups, but I do not want Diaz in all of those lineups. So figure out a way to play these guys, play this team, but not play these players at such a high rate. So now all of my individual batters are down to 25% or less. Uh, Colorado is still at 30%. So when I gave the builder that restriction, it said, okay, you know, maybe we'll play Colorado at 30% instead of uh, 35, but that's still 5% more than any of these individual batters that I chose here. So you're just kind of trying to put a little pressure on the builder, make it make some tough decisions. 
Then I come over here to my pitchers. So I like to go through teams, batters, pitchers, and then uh, see see if I'm okay with these exposures that I'm getting here. So I'm, I'm much more open to higher exposure to pitchers here. Uh, frankly, I wouldn't mess with this. This is totally okay to me, right? So getting some exposure to these guys that are generally fairly chalky here, Corbin Burns, James Paxton, uh, still getting them less than 2x their ownership here. So we're getting some positive leverage, but we're not getting like outrageous amounts here. Um, somebody that stands out a little bit to me is Osvaldo Beto here. I, frankly, I don't even know who this is. Uh, so I might do some research into him, you know, maybe pull up his game logs on baseball reference, see what he's all about. Um, one thing that isn't super concerning to me is that, you know, his ownership is at about 6%, but his pool exposure is about 15%. So that tells me across all of the lineups that we built, generally we like this player. So to have him in 25% of my 20 lineups, I'm okay with that here. But but this is just one spot where I might try to do some additional research here and just make sure that I'm okay agreeing with the builder here, right? So um, he's low salary, has fairly decent projection here. Uh, I just want to make sure I'm okay with that overall. So just just some thoughts there. And then after that, you know, I started with mini uniques. I went to stack types, went to team stacks, went to players. We talk about this right to left approach. Uh, reason being is that the 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 things that you can do further on the right are more general. And then the things that you can do on the left with players are very, uh, very specific, right? So we talk about like this, this uh, wide view approach and then slowly shrinking down, getting into the nitty gritty of these lineups, right? So mini uniques, stack types, team stacks, players, right? That's kind of how we look at it. So we want to start from this bigger lens. So now that I've gone through all those steps, I just one last time want to check my stack types, make sure that anything I did in the team stacks and players tabs are not going to lead to me getting some stack types that I do not want. And then from there, I'm done, right? I, I don't have anything else to do. I would go into fill entries and then I would fill, you know, if I had two lineups, I would use unique rank probably and then fill these lineups and then uh, submit them to my, to DraftKings or whatever site I'm playing on, right? So I think that's like the best uh, version to do here for editing your lineups, doing risk management in the post build. The only thing that I didn't cover is like, say you wanted to take a stand on a team here, say that, you know, we like um, Boston, maybe showing up in 20% of our stack uh, stack pool exposure here. Maybe we want to play a little more of them. Maybe we want to play like 25%. So I can just increase the Boston stacks here. After this step, the only other thing I like to check is the builder has an easy way out of getting to 25% Boston by putting them in, in a two-stack slot. So I want to go into my two-stacks, make sure I'm not getting, you know, all 25% Boston in my two-stacks because let's say I thought Boston was going to do good. Let's say they end up doing good, but then I, I have all these two-stacks of Boston where I didn't capitalize on them as a whole, as a team, right? So uh, make sure that the builder is not getting an easy way out here. It doesn't appear that's the case, you know, zero, two stacks of Boston, uh, 10%, three stacks, and then 15% five stacks, right? So we're getting to a lot of big Boston stacks here, which is what I was hoping for, right? So uh, if you want to take a stand, I think that this is one way to take a stand here. And then I'm just going to jump back to my batters, make sure that I'm not getting any individual Boston batter at a super high rate, uh, which I am not, right? Yoshida shows up the most here, but not in every single stack. 
Uh, so that's one way to look at this here. But but aside from that, I'm, I'm basically done, right? So those are all the things that I'm doing in my individual process here uh, post-build. So hope that helps you out. Comment from FE said, thank you for the detailed response. Yeah, man, happy to help out. Uh, just want to, you know, show you guys things that you guys might not uh, be aware of or give you guys some thoughts on different ways to use the app here. PD Plays said, what do you set your correlation in sim diversity to? Honestly, I just set it to the defaults. So I will usually, you know, if I'm playing a, a group of contests, I will pick out the contest or, or okay, hold on, one step back from there. So uh, if you're following our recommended uh, contest selection framework, which is our TFS profit plan, you can find that over on the YouTube channel. So if you're on our YouTube channel and you're on the homepage here, under this uh new here start here first the 17 minute video says start winning more with our dfs profit plan this is our contest selection framework that we suggest to all of our users here if you're doing that and following those guidelines you're going to do two builds you're going to do a single entry and three max build and then you're going to do a 20 max and 150 max build for two separate builds from those sets what i would do is i would pick the contest that matters the most to you and then set your build settings to whatever that is. So you might be playing a range of 20 max and 150 max contests, right? But maybe the highest price to first is a 20 max and the settings are uh, 1K to 10K entrance, right? So I would come in here and set my settings to whatever that is. And then basically optimize for that contest and then be okay with my settings not being optimal for some of the other smaller dollar contests that I have, right? So that's one way to think about it. Another way to think about it, which I've seen people do is, uh, or even I've suggested is take the highest settings that you can have here. So, you know, my 20 max one to 10 K was nine, seven. And then my 150 max, uh, 10 to 50 K is nine, nine for correlation and sim diversity. Having higher settings is never going to hurt you. Right? So, the way I like to think about this is if I have 150 max contest, uh, a lineup that might get fifth in the 150 max can probably take first in one of my single entry contests, right? So um, optimizing for a contest with higher slider settings is okay as well. So those are like two approaches that I would consider here uh, when trying to figure out what you should set your settings to. All right. Uh, jumping back to the office hours channel, looks like this is our last question at the moment from Scion Gaines here. So this question says, how can you create lineups around a core group? Is it by creating a rule or group? Uh, so good question. And yes, you are on the right track here. So let's say that you have a core group of players that you want to use. Uh, what I suggest is making this group actually bigger than, than the number you set it to. So let's say you have a group of 10 players that you want to use, set this to use at least three and then put all 10 of those players in this group. And then maybe it's, um, you know, one through six from Cincinnati and it's one through six from Texas, right? So you're just going to use the highest implied run total teams here. So I'm going to check in all these Cincinnati guys. I'm going to check in these Texas guys. And then I'm going to tell the builder, use at least three. So what I'm trying to say is like, Hey, I, I'm, I'm trying to give it a bigger group to choose from and say, select a smaller minority from this group here, right? So I'm not saying use, you know, these three players in every single lineup. I'm, I'm saying pick from this bigger coalition here, right? And that tells the builder, 
uh, gives it one, a little more flexibility, but two, still gets to use your core and let the builder decide which players from that core you should use most often here. So that is the way that I like to approach that. All right. Looks like we are all caught up with questions at the moment here. Uh, while I wait for any last questions to come in here, just want to let you guys know, if you guys are not playing over on Owner's Box, you guys should be, right? Uh, we started a partnership with Owner's Box, a smaller DFS site, at the beginning of the MLB season, being the first major optimizer to support them here. Uh, we've been really happy with the partnership so far. A lot of the contests on Owner's Box tend to overlay a lot. You can find full overlay where they are paying you to play the contest. Your $5 entry might be worth $6 by the time the contest starts. Uh, secondly, the contest might have no rake or reduced rake here. So on DraftKings, when your contests are filling, the, the site is taking 15% from the prize pool. Uh, so that is 15 percentage points that you have to earn back. If you can find reduced rate contests where they're taking, you know, 2%, 3%, that is percentage of ROI that you do not have to earn back uh, once you get past that 3% threshold that is now money in your pocket here. So also the contests, uh, the user base is not going to be as sharp as what you're going to find on FanDuel, Yahoo, or DraftKings just because of the prize pools here. But I think that, you know, as the site continues to grow, as we get into NFL NBA season, I think that, you know, more and more users are going to start playing over on this site here. So take advantage of it while you can. And then lastly, if you use uh, promo code Saber or SaberSim, when you sign up, you get a $500 deposit bonus. And then we will also track your entry fees here. You can earn free months of SaberSim just by playing on the site here. So each time you hit one of these entry fee thresholds, we will reach out to you and tell you, hey, you've earned a free month of SaberSim. Do you want to cash in on it? If you cash in on it, we will reset your tracking to zero. And there is no limit on the amount of credit that you can earn here. So take advantage of this promotion while it lasts. But with that being said, great show today, everybody. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Appreciate the questions. We'll be right back here tomorrow, Tuesday, for our next show, 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, until then, take care. Good luck in your contests. I will see you all. Thanks. Bye.